Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heels. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode, this is my favorite episode of the year, usually every year, because I tell you about my big November trip. And my big November trip this year was to the Falkland Islands. So we have stories about movie stars, visas, penguins, elephant seals, getting lost, sea lions, connections, documentaries, and a journalist. The music for this show is The Sounds of the Falklands. So you'll be hearing sounds of Gentoo penguins, elephant seals, Carcara, uh, which is Johnny Rook, king penguins, and rock hoppers. Let's get on with the show. Okay, just back from the Falkland Islands, and one of the first things I have to say is, Wow! Wow, what an impressive trip. What a spectacular trip. And I'm going to start by saying a lot of my perceptions of the Falkland Islands were completely wrong. (laughs) Thought I was going back in time. Nope, not going back in time. In a way, possibly going forward in time. The Falklands are very, very impressive. The government's impressive. The programs they have actually seems like a great place to live, in a way. (laughs) But um, when I'm talking about going forward in time, their government has these programs so their health care is free. If there's something they can't fix on the island, the government pays for the citizens to fly to England for health care there. They pay, the government pays students. They fly them to England for college. <laughs> the pilots there, the government flies them somewhere and pays for their education. I mean, their, their, their motto is do the right, like do the right thing. And it seems like they really are doing the right thing. But you know, this is all from me being there for one week. So The only big problem they have there is the internet and no cell service. But anyway, we're going to back up a little bit. And I hardly ever have a theme for a podcast, but I do for this one. And it's about connections. Missed connections, because there are a lot of missed connections. (laughs) And connections, interpersonal connections. I met the most interesting people on this trip than I think I ever have on any other trip. 
So on my way to Santiago from the United States, I had a positive space pass. They gave out some positive space passes during the pandemic when they wanted us to do things. So I did everything they wanted us to do so I could hoard these positive space passes. So non-standby. And uh, when you're non-standby on the manifest, the crew list or whatever, it doesn't signify you as an employee. You're just like a regular passenger. So I was lucky enough, the only flight, I was lucky enough to get first class on uh, the flight to Santiago. And now the purser and I have never flown together, but he's probably seen me in the flight attendant lounge. And so when he comes to ask me my choice for dinner, I'm sitting in first class, he says, um, you look familiar. Are you an actress? <laughs> now, there's a cute uh, gay guy who I've flown with before who's working my aisle of first class. And he hears the purser saying that. And he said, oh, yes, yeah, she's a famous actress. And the purser believes him. And I assumed at some point the nice gay guy who I've flown with would tell him that, no, she's a flight attendant. That's where you've seen her before. But he did not. He kept up the ruse. So... I get up. I kind of forgot about it, right? And um, I get up to go to the restroom and the galley girl, who I also don't know. Now the purser has told the galley girl that I'm a famous actress. And I said, oh, hi. And she goes, I'm sorry, but I don't think I recognize you from, uh, I don't think I've seen the movies you've been in. Can you tell me some of the movies you've been in? And I'm thinking, I have been in any movies. <laughs> I'm a flight attendant. But I kind of laughed because I was, I was thinking, is she joking or does she still think? And then later on, the guy goes, it comes back to me. The nice gay guy I've flown with, he's like, they still think you're a famous actress. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay. So I'm, I'm getting off the plane and the nice, cute gay guy goes, can't wait to see you in the next movie. A few days before I was leaving, I went to Patagonia for a few days. And part of the reason I went to Patagonia for a few days is because I was concerned that there's only that one flight from Patagonia to the Falkland Islands once a week. And now a lot of the stuff I thought I knew I didn't. I thought there was one military flight a week from England, but there's actually two, but it only has like 30 seats for non-military people. So that's like another 60 people and it's from England. So my only option is one flight, once a week from Patagonia. So I decided to go to Patagonia for a few days to make sure I was there for that one flight because that one flight is actually a big problem. If you miss a normal flight, you can go the next day. If your bags don't make it, they'll send them to you the next day. But when there's one flight once a week, that can be for a big problem. So a few days before I left for Patagonia, through Santiago, I started getting this nagging feeling. I, I like to have all my ducks in a row and I didn't go through a travel agent. I did it all myself. It was difficult. I could never get the phone to work. I tried T-Mobile, Hargrave. I'm like, I'm trying to call the Falkland Islands. And they were like, yeah, good luck with that. Nobody could help me. I Googled everything. I just could never get a phone to work, which made it more difficult to arrange things. And a few days before my trip, I did this. Hmm. Hmm. Do I need to prearrange a taxi from the airport to Stanley, the main town? Now, every I'm, I live in airports, and every airport has taxis, but I started doing this, hmm, this is not every airport. Hmm, do I need to do this? So I started doing some digging. I read different things. Yes, there's taxis at the airport. No, you have to arrange an airport transfer. I saw, I had a book and I saw two companies. I emailed those two companies, didn't get anything back. I was concerned, but I also knew I had three days in Patagonia. So I fly to Santiago. So I land in Santiago. I go to customs and there's an Asian guy, not in my line, one line over. And they're asking like, where are you staying? How long are you staying for? And I hear him say, Oh, I'm going to Antarctica, which piqued my interest because I've always wanted to go to Antarctica. Now, when we're boarding the flight to Punta Arenas, Patagonia, I'm in the jetway right behind the Asian guy. And I say, oh, hey, so you're going to Antarctica. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going camping in Antarctica. And I'm like, camping in Antarctica. That sounds cold. And I said, well, is that cheaper than the expensive cruise? And he's like, no, it's more expensive. And I'm like, more expensive? Like the cruise can be like $20,000. He's like, yes, my trip is 
way upwards of $40,000. And my mind is like, $40,000. I talked to later, this is all, a lot of connections here. I, later, I talked to somebody in Patagonia who spent $50,000 to go on a trip to Antarctica. They never got to go because you land on this blue ice runway and you need certain weather conditions for the plane to land on the blue ice runway. And this couple who spent $50,000 to do this trip to Antarctica never got to go because the weather was never right. They had their vacation in Patagonia. Now, they'll probably had insurance. They'll probably get most of their money back. But you have this whole thing. You're going, you're going to Antarctica. It's a giant trip. And not going. So now I had talked to the Asian guy in the jetway and as luck would have it, we're sitting next to each other on the plane. So I got to ask him more about this camping trip to Antarctica. And I'm like, oh, well, what kind of tent is it? Is it like a nice tent? Like a, like a tent on safari? Tents on safari can be really nice. He's like, no, I'll show you. And he gets out his computer and he shows me the brochure online. And it's a little tiny tent, like a pup tent. And I'm thinking, Forty thousand dollars. You have to sleep in a little tent in Antarctica. And I said, "Well, at least you get your own tent." He said, "No, you have to share with a stranger." And I'm like, "You have to share with a stranger." <laughs> Again, my mind was like, Pshaw. "So then he says to me, um, how did you know that I was going to Antarctica? Do I just look like someone who's going to Antarctica?'" And I said, "Oh no, I heard you in custom say you were going to Antarctica." He the whole time had been wondering, "How did she know I was going to Antarctica?" <laughs> I learned a lot on this trip, a lot about history, actually, um, depending on where do you go to school, what country you go to school in, what state you go. You only learn certain parts of history, and then there's, there's gaps in your knowledge, and I have a lot of gaps. So I didn't really understand the importance of the Strait of Magellan uh, in world history until I took, so my first day, first full day, in Patagonia, I had arranged this trip to Isla Magdalena, where they have Magellanic penguins, my first penguins. And I was like, you know, squealing when I saw them walk. I was so excited. I was already like, okay, the trip's already a success. But also it was interesting to take the boat trip on the Strait of Magellan because I learned a lot in that it was an important part of the world, and it was an extremely important discovery that you could go through the Strait of Magellan to get from the Atlantic to the Pacific. It was like a way of connecting the world, and that part of the world, Punta Arenas and Patagonia, was a very important part of the world at the time because everything went through there. So it was basically until the Panama Canal that it was like a bustling very important world waterway. Anyway, so um, I had that fun trip and I got to see the penguins and the guide told me that a penguin had bit her. And I was like, a penguin bit you? I never heard of anybody being bit by a penguin. She goes, oh, it's not normal. And I do this trip every day. But what happened was this penguin was very upset. Uh, she said she think it had lost both babies and it was barreling towards the tourists and she's the guide. And so she was like rushing the tourists, you know, move, move, move. And the penguin bit her in her leg and went through her like heavy ski pants and drew blood. And she showed me the scar. And I said, I do believe you might be one of the only people in the world that has a penguin bite scar. My hotel in Punta Arenas was very nice. It was like a boutique hotel. It was uh, all kind of antiques and things. And my each room had a theme. And my room was the hunter. And my key had bullets on it. And I was so tired the first day. I didn't notice till I woke up the next morning that the light above my bed was a gun. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I met... Um, any of these trips, you run into the same people when you're talking about a town that's not that big or... So anyway, I'm at the hotel in the lobby and this lady says she's going to the Falkland Islands. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to the Falkland Islands on Saturday because it's the one flight once a week. She's like, yes. And I said, well, I'm a little concerned that I don't have a prearranged taxi and I'm a little concerned and I haven't been able to get a hold of anyone. And I don't know uh, if there's going to be taxis there. And there's another lady sitting there. And um, this woman, her name's Celia. She's from England. She's like, oh, um. 
I'll look on my itinerary, but uh, there'll be somebody there like holding up a name. And I'm like, I don't think there's going to be anybody there holding up my name. She's like, everywhere I've been going, there's been somebody there holding up my name. And I said, well, did you go through a travel agent? She's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I didn't. So I did it all myself. She goes, but the hotel knows you're coming. So they'll pick you up. There'll be somebody there to pick you up. And this other lady goes, I've been talking to Celia and she's a traveler. And she, if she says there's going to be somebody there, there's going to be somebody there. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) So cut to now it's the Saturday of the one flight once a week and I'm at the airport and I see Celia who had been at the hotel and I'm still going I still think I need to work on this transfer and then who's sitting across from us is a guy who's a native he's he's was born in the Falkland Islands and I'm like hey um so I'm having I'm uh I, I don't know if I have a problem or not so are there taxis at the airport and he's like well, did you prearrange a taxi? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, then there are no taxis at the airport. And I said, well, he's like, so you don't have a way to get into town? I didn't realize also it's like an hour. It's an hour from the airport to Stanley. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, that's a problem. And he said, why don't you have anything arranged? And I'm like, well, I've tried. Um, I know there's the two taxi companies, but I can't ever get my phone to work. And he's like, why can't you get your phone to work? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't seem to get any. I, so he gives me the number of Penguin Travel. And I'm like, I tried to email them and um, they never got back to me. And he said, that doesn't sound like them. They know everybody there because it's such a small place. And and I said, well, I sent them an email. And then I got to think back that it was like wrong email address. He's like, well, let me see the email address. I go through my emails and I show it to him. And he goes, that's the wrong email address. You have .com eu and it should be dot com dot fk like i'm supposed to know that and i said well but that's what it said in the book and he said i'm sure they didn't have the wrong email address in the book and so i get the book out and he's like oh yeah that says dot com dot uk i thought you know sometimes you have a travel company that has offices in different places and the uk and the falklands are connected so um anyway he's like no that's the wrong email address do it now with dot FK. So I do that and I get an email back. It's Saturday. We're out of the office. We'll get back to you on Monday. And I'm like, all right. He's like, well, call them. And I'm like, I'm I'm trying to do plus 500 plus the number. And he's given me another number. I'm trying to call nobody. It's just like what just like eh, and drop and then or it would ring and ring and ring. And I never had any luck with that. So now I'm going to get on the plane and I don't have a way to get from the airport to Stanley, right? Okay. So at the airport where I'm talking to the local guy from the Falklands, he says, um, I think we're already all checked in and everything. We're at the gate. And he goes, oh, we still have to go through uh, Chilean customs. And if you don't have that little slip that they gave us, you know, you're totally screwed. And I was like, the what? He's like, the little slip that they gave you. I'm like, you mean the receipt? He's like, that's not a receipt. That's your visa. And I was like, huh? And he's like, you must have it. I'm going through my bags, going through my bags. I'm thinking, I think I I think I turned that out. Going through my bags. He's like, well, you're screwed. And I was thinking, I'm screwed. Are you saying I'm not going to be able to get on the flight, the once a week flight to the Falklands? I got here three days early and now I'm not going to be able to get on the flight. I was like, ah! <laughs> so He's like, maybe you can sneak over there and get by. And I'm like, I'm going to sneak past customs? I don't think so. So I just get in line and think, all right, well, I'll just have to deal with this. You know, I'll just deal with it. Uh, I'll do whatever they say. I'll cry if I have to. And um, we're in line and I see a woman like six people in front of us. And she says, um, they're asking her for her visa. She's like, oh, I don't I don't think I have it. And they're like talking between them and talking. And they let her go. And I'm like, okay, shoo, I'm just going to do what she did. And this isn't the giant problem, and I am going to get to the Falkland Islands. In the last episode, I told you that I found this little energy drink, a little elixir called Magic Mind. It's basically like say goodbye to amped up and say hello to feeling dialed in, just steady 
calm energy. You don't usually put those two words together, calm energy, but it's really what you want. And I feel like Magic Mind has a cumulative effect, like you feel more of it the longer you take it, and then I missed it. So I didn't I didn't take it to the Falklands with me because it's liquid and I had to go through security, and I missed it. I missed the focus and the motivation. It just makes you feel really good, and it has really good ingredients like matcha, lion's mane, turmeric. It's all good stuff. Magic Mind is where magic meets science. And you can get 56% off a first subscription or 20% off a one-time purchase if you go to magicmind.com slash Sky and use my code Sky. Then I meet the, one of the first really interesting people sitting right next to me. Nice, pretty girl. Actually, I don't think I ever asked her age. She seemed to be about 30. And um, she was, I'm sitting on the aisle. She's sitting in the middle. She's a little flustered. She's like, oh, we had this big problem. You know, we had our flight from Lisbon to Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo to Santiago, Santiago to Punta Arenas, um, Punta Arenas to uh, Falkland Highlands. And she goes, I don't, we, our, our flight was late in Sao Paulo, so now we're not going to have our bags, and there's no other flights, and no, we're not going to have any luggage for the week, and I don't have a coat, and I don't have boots. And I was thinking, yeah, this is what I was worried about, this connection, this once a week thing is not, <laughs> so they're not getting their bags. So we're talking, and uh, I'm saying maybe there's some charity shops there, because that's what they have in England. We're talking, and then she, then she tells me what they're going there for, and I was this is funny because sitting next to her, we immediately got along. She's really tired. She's had all these flights. Um, but she's telling now. So this meeting her was like a connection as in missed connection as our bag is not making it. And a connection that we had a connection. We both really enjoyed talking to each other. She should have been sleeping, <laughs> but we ended up. So she says, oh, well, I said, so why are you going to the Falkland Island? She's like, oh, well, we're filming a documentary. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. So my dad was a reporter and he was one of the first reporters to go into the Falkland Islands after the war. And when he was on the battlefield of Goose Green, he found this personal Argentinian soldier's diary and they were filming it for the news. It was the Brazilian news, I believe. And uh, he basically did a little news clip saying this, he found this diary and this, like so many other stories, ends here. Cut to 40 years later. <laughs> Somebody puts that news clip on the internet. A historian finds the news clip, recognizes the name of the Argentinian soldier. Again, my mind is like, Phew. and he's still alive. So, but it takes him a year to meet to find the girl sitting next to me's father, because there's a lot of people with his name, contacts him through Instagram and says, I know the Argentinian soldier whose diary you found, and he's alive. That her father, <laughs> the journalist, flies to Argentina to meet the Argentinian soldier who never wanted to go back to the Falklands. I'm sure he had a very bad experience there. But the two of them decide they're going to go back to the Falkland Islands together. And now they're all on my flight. Mine blown. <laughs> so there is the journalist, his wife, his two daughters. The one not sitting next to me is producing the documentary. The original cameraman who did the news clip. Another cameraman to do the filming for the documentary. The Argentinian soldier, his two kids, and, and the historian. <laughs> like, this is the nicest story. I mean, it's just sometimes you're in a world of, of um, bad news. It's nice to hear this. This is basically a reunion in the Falklands story documentary. How nice is that? And um, I got I stayed in touch with them, and I actually sat next to the other daughter, who's going to be the producer when I was leaving the Falkland Islands. And when it comes out, I will be sure to post a link, because I, for one, am going to be very interested. 
I'd like to thank any of you who are so kind and so generous when you're going to buy something on Amazon, and it is the season to buy stuff on Amazon. You would take a second and go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, click on any of the Amazon links. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show, and I like to see what people buy. And people bought good stuff this past month. Somebody bought, I didn't even know there was this thing, 96-pack of snow fake balls fake snowballs for indoor snowball fights and i was like that's a thing we just you know i i grew up in pennsylvania we had a real snowballs <laughs> this is probably safer i believe they're soft somebody else bought a plush bobcat stuffed animal and then this was my favorite somebody bought a book called there's a zoo in my poo i got to say that again there's a zoo in my poo so if you're going to buy something on Amazon, consider going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. Click through, and I thank you so very much. My first night in the Falkland Islands, the hotel I was staying at has a good restaurant, but it was a Saturday night, and they were having an event. So um, they said you could eat in the bar, and I was going to eat in the bar, but there were so many... It's it's really the only hotel. There's a motel I never did see, but um, and then there's one boutique hotel, and I had stopped in there, and they were busy because it was a Saturday night, and um, but the bar because that's a big hotel, there were so many people in the bar, it didn't even look like there was a place to sit. So I thought, oh, I'll go look around, and I started. I want to look around anyway, you know me. I have to look around, and I found this place called um, Groovies, and it said outside there was a sign that said it was a pride party. And I thought, well, you know, I guess they're diverse here, which is great in the Falklands. Went in and everybody was wearing um, wigs and stuff. And I saw this. Actually, I was going to go back and never did it. I, guess this is, I wish I had two weeks. I'm sorry. I realized afterwards that you had to do one week or two weeks because it's only the one flight a week. And so um, I thought two weeks is going to be really expensive. I should have done that two weeks because uh, it's not that easy to get there. Anyway, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But um, so I go in and there and there everybody's in these wigs and stuff, and it was very festive. And they were make I was going to go back there because they were making these drinks. I've never seen it before. They had some sort of gun. I want to say it's like a dry ice something or other, and like in a martini glass, whatever drink they were making, he'd take this thing and it would make like a bubble on top, and then when you went to drink it, it would like burst with smoke. And I was like. That looks like fun. <laughs> I've never had one of these bubble drink things before. And uh, so I had a nice meal. And then I was walking down by the water. And I saw this big sea lion, which, of course, I was excited about. And taking pictures of the sea lion. And I get back to the hotel. And I'm like, oh, I saw this big sea lion. And the nice lady at the hotel uh, car. And I just liked her so much. She's like, um, oh, not that long ago, we had two sea lions making love, having a personal romantic moment, however you want to say it, uh, in the road. And um, they had to close the road. They had to close the road in the capital of the country because there were two sea lions making love. And she said they were very loud. And then I had to tell them, and now I forgot that I, I didn't tell you because there's so much happening in volunteer. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Volunteer Point. It was on uh, Isla Magdalena, the first place I saw the Magellanic penguins. There were all these um, seagulls. There were all these seagulls. They had a ton of them. They were with the penguins. And I guess I didn't know what um, seagulls making love looks like. And um, the one was like walking, landed on top of the other one. It's like walking on top of the other one. And I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> What is this? That was new to me. So I already thought, gosh, I've met such interesting people. And the trip has just begun, really. Um, the documentary girl and the guy going to Antarctica and the nice couple who took me from the airport. So now I have, I had booked from home, the only person who get back to me, this driver to take me to Volunteer Point. Volunteer Point is named after a ship that arrived there in, I believe, 1815. So uh, it's, um, it's where all the king penguins are. It's where there's just a massive amount of penguins uh, in this one spot. And 
I knew it was like a three-hour drive each way. I think I read somewhere it was off-roading, but I guess I hadn't really understood what kind. I guess I didn't even know what off-roading was. So anyway, it's just me. I didn't know if I was joining other people, uh, but it turns out my driver meets me at the hotel, and it's just me and my driver. He's in his 70s. He told me he's um, he's got a bad hip. He's going to get his hip replaced in England, I think in like March. Um but he was extremely interesting. Like, wow. So we're driving and he's talking. And um, I said I was going to Sea Lion Island. Then I'm going to Pebble Island. And he said, oh, well, I know Pebble Island. I'm like, oh. And he goes, um, yeah, that's where I was held hostage for 30 days. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, first I was living on Pebble Island and uh, when the shelling started, we dug out under the fireplace and we'd all hide in the dirt under the fireplace. And I was thinking, wow, this was, it's, it's kind of hard for me to grasp since I've only, I've never been through a war. But when you hear the actual person telling you, it, it's very moving. And I was like, wow. And then he's like, yeah, then we got held hostage uh, and you're going to be staying. I was in that what's now the Pebble Island Lodge. And you're actually the lounge area is the room that I was in. And you can see the fireplace that we um, hid under. And I was like, oh, boy, um, this this is a lot. Then he tells me uh, he was due to be executed on the 15th and the war ended on the 14th. And he he said that sometimes your captors mess with you and mess with your mind. So he didn't know if he was really scheduled for execution, but he actually saw it in paper. He saw it in writing that he was due to be executed. And it was just because the war ended the day before that he wasn't executed. This is some heavy stuff, heavy stuff. So this is now we're still on a road when he's telling me all this. And then we get to the, I guess I didn't even understand what off-roading can be. This is like over mud, in gullies, up hills. There's no road. It's like, it's crazy driving. Uh, I would never attempt something like this. I I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> I was very impressed with my driver's driving skills, but it was extremely wet. And we get to the penguins. It was it was cold and wet and rainy. Everybody kept telling me it was unseasonably cold. Kind of felt like Churchill, Canada in the winter. <laughs> this is supposed to be their astral summer. Uh, he said, yeah, sometimes you can be out here in shorts and t-shirt. And that was kind of hard for me to imagine because it was really cold. I had on a hat, the my coat hood over the hat, like ski pants, ski gloves, <laughs> and it was still cold. But it was really nice to see the penguins, especially the the king penguin chicks. They kind of look like they're wearing their father's coat. They're just adorable. And they come so close to you. I didn't understand that you could get so close to the penguins. So now it's time to go. And my driver tells me that he's going to try a route he hasn't taken before because it was so treacherous the way we came. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, he seems to know what he's doing. He's done this a lot of times. And so we're going this route he hasn't been before, and we get lost. And now I'm starting to think to myself, huh, he doesn't seem to be in the best of health, and it's just the two of us, and there's no self-service, and if something happens to him, I don't know how to drive a stick. I wouldn't even know what direction to go. There's no trees. This was something, it took me days to realize there's no trees. Like, there's a few trees they planted in Stanley, but the rest of the place, there's no trees. Uh, but it's also really beautiful. I, I wasn't expecting it to have, like, turquoise waters like you'd see in, like, the Caribbean, like, with penguins walking in front of turquoise water and then um, flying over. I did a lot of flying on those little planes and flying over. It's just gorgeous. Now, granted, there's nothing out there. There is nothing out there. You'll see a house and there's like, you think, how in the world does somebody live so isolated from everyone else? But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, we're driving back from Volunteer Point and we're now lost. And now my driver is telling me that during the winter, he actually drives during the winter. Um, he got bogged in. That must be a British term. Bogged in, stuck and they had to walk out. And I was thinking, oh, I don't want to have to walk out. <laughs> How long would that take? And it's 
cold. Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm having these thoughts like, oh, I didn't even think that this could turn bad. I was just going to see some penguins. Um, so now he stops the car and he said, I'm afraid we're going to get in this ditch. So I'm going to get out and try to see if I can figure out a way around it. And then he waves for me to get out of the car. And I'm like, okay. So I get in the car and he goes, I, I think if I go around it, so I want you to stand here so I can see where to go around you. And I'm like, okay. And then he goes walking back to the four by four, falls over and is holding his shoulder. He's laying on the ground, holding his shoulder. It seemed like he was there for two minutes. I don't know. Maybe it just, you know, time stopped. But I was all of a sudden thinking he's, he's got, he, he's having a heart attack. He, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to try to figure out how to get out of here. Like, what do you do? Do you try to get him back in the car? I can't call anyone. Um, there's no 911. Uh, there was, I can't call anyway. There's no internet. And it was like, this could get really bad. Now, he got up. He had hurt his shoulder. Everything was fine. But there was a time there where I was like, holy, put in swear word here. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. So now I'm leaving Stanley. Had my day at Volunteer Point. Had a little scare after the crazy off-roading. And I'm going to Sea Lion Island, and I was very excited about this because most of the photographs you see of wildlife from the Falkland Islands are taken on Sea Lion Island, and I knew that I had talked to people and read things that the lodge was very close to the wildlife. Well, it was. I could see the penguins from my hotel room. I could see penguins from my hotel room. We landed on that little plane and I saw a penguin on the runway, which really wasn't a runway. It's, you know, grass. But I get to, to the little airport to go to Sea Lion Island and there's a few other passengers and one of them was a, I'm not going to say where she was from because I can't do the accent, but the way she said journalist sounded like journalist. And she, it, you know, sometimes you get a first impression and sometimes it's correct because that you had to get on a scale. You had to put your bags on a scale. This, you know, they made me when I was booking my ticket, get on my scale at home with the clothes I would be wearing the day I was on the flight. I mean, they're, they're serious about the weight and balance of the plane and you want them to be right. So I'm at the airport and and this woman comes in and she starts talking to me and she says, I'm a journalist and I'm a professional and I'm an influencer. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's so great. And then they tell her to get on the scale and she's going, no, I'm not going to get on this scale. You can't make me. And it, they were like, no, yeah, we can, you know, or otherwise you don't get on the plane. She's like, I don't want to. That's so mean. I don't want to. I'm a journalist. I'm a professional. And it's like, yeah, yeah get on the scale. So finally she gets on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> so we had some other passengers and they got off on Bleecker. They got they got off on Bleecker Island. So now it's just me and the journalist going to Sea Lion Island. And we get there and we get our bags. I could already tell I like it because I saw that penguin on the runway and there were these caracaras that's just like an endangered bird of prey and they were doing the sand bath uh, on the sand like by the runway this is before we even get in the lodge we get in the lodge and they've put out smoko for us which is they have like homemade cookies and cakes with coffee or tea and they're going to give us a little um briefing and the owner of the lodge is giving us the briefing and uh, the journalist <laughs> is already irritating the owner of the lodge because she is saying um I have to have Wi-Fi. I'll die if I don't have Wi-Fi. And, you know, the Wi-Fi is a problem in the Falklands. They have these little scratch-off cards like in Cuba, but it's very expensive and it's very slow. But I, I had a very realistic expectation, so I wasn't disappointed. I was impressed that I was able to send anything or post anything to Instagram. So I was actually happy with the internet, but the journalist was not. And then she was saying, he was telling us, you know, you can walk to the beach and there's um, elephant seals and elephant seal pups. And there's three types of penguins and there's orcas and there's dolphins. And there's, I mean, literally it's like 
a nature wonderland with a beautiful lodge in the middle of it. I mean, what more could you ask, at least for me? But the journalist, <laughs> she, she was like, oh, so um, we have a guide? Because I'll get lost. I'll get lost. I'll end up, you know, laying down. You'll find me dead somewhere. And the guy's looking at me and I'm like, I'm not with her. <laughs> we're, we're not together. <laughs> And he's telling us that there's something you have to be careful of. The caracara, which is that um, bird of prey, that they're almost like monkeys in a way. He's telling us they're, they're, um, they can be a pest and that they can dive bomb for your head. Or if there's something shiny, they might go for it. Um, so he said that if the, if the caracara is being aggressive with you, you can back up, but also try to put a stick or something above your head so it would make it difficult for it to dive bomb to your head. Well, the journalist did not like the idea of any of this. And she's like, if it takes my, my iPhone, I'll die. I'll die. And he's looking at her and he, I'm, I'm looking at him. And um, then she's saying, I'm going to be lost. I'm going to be lost. He got so tired. She was basically saying she wanted him to show her around for two days and he's got a lot of other things to do. And so he did, though, say, all right, fine. Um, his partner that helps him, they both own the lodge together. He said, she'll take you in the four by four down to the rock har rock hoppers, rock hoppers. And the rock hoppers are so cute. And the reason why they're called rock hoppers is because they hop. Hopping penguins is just adorable. And then they have that crazy haircut. <laughs> I love the rock hoppers. So, but he said that she would take both of us because that was the furthest walk where she might get lost and lay, have to lay down and die. But I do think, and I could be wrong, but I think I benefited from the journalist a bit because I think she irritated the owner so much. I booked a uh, single room with like a single bed. And I think that she irritated him so much in the little briefing that he gave me her room. <laughs> And she didn't know. She um somebody had booked her trip for her and uh I I booked the single room and I I mean I'm not gonna complain. I didn't say it and I don't know for sure that I got her room, but I was in the Emperor Penguin suite. <laughs> and it's like, yippee, I'm glad the journalist is irritating. So um we go on the four by four. Oh and my gosh, I'm sorry, this is I'm gonna have to do many podcasts on this trip too the Falkland Islands, because at this point, we met a American guy who um, had all this audio equipment. Of course, my interest was peaked. And he is, his name is Joseph. And he is, uh, he had done a Kickstarter campaign. And he's recording the local sounds of the area to make like, look, there's no local music because there were no people on the island originally. There's no um, indigenous people there. So there's no indigenous music. So he's basically recording the penguins and elephant seals and the wind. <laughs> There's a lot of wind. Um, and so I was interested because, of course, the podcast and I was also going to be recording some of the sounds for the music for the podcast. So anyway, so now, um, so I said to him, he said, I am walking to the rock hoppers and it's like a hour walk. So I said, well, they're going to be taking the two of us, um, so if you want to catch a ride, and he was like, that'd be great. So, you know, it saves him some time. Well, the journalist kept talking politics um, for uh, the whole drive there. And then we get there, and we're watching the rock hoppers and a little bird, not not the bird of prey, not the car car. <laughs> By chance, who knows why, like dive bombs near her and she screams and says, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack. I thought he was trying to take my iPhone. <laughs> I had to tell you a little bit more about the journalist. There, there might be more stories because there, I, you keep seeing the same people, uh, and I, I saw the journalist many more times, even though I was spending an extra night there. But um, it, um, it's like always at these lodges. It's like um, family style. They, they put names on the table, so there might be five of you, there might be four of you, there might be two of you, and I was at a table with maybe I think there are six of us. So I wasn't sitting next to the journalist. There was a nice lady, Diane, sitting next to me. They're big birders. Um, and the journalist. And the reason why I keep saying this is she said to every single person, I'm a journalist. I'm a professional. I'm an influencer. You know, it's like, um, 
everybody knew her by the end of the week. So uh, the journalist is sitting next to this nice lady. And there was like a bowl because there was bread on the table. And there was um, a bowl of like cubes of butter. And um, Diane went to take the bowl of butter. And the journalist said, now that's contaminated. Now I can't eat it. And it was like, "Mm, it's a rude thing to say. The next morning at breakfast, she says to the nice lady, And I was thinking, you're being so rude. You're being a rude journalist. She goes, I need to get everything before you contaminate it. And I was like, goodness gracious. Oh, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) At dinner, the journalist, after they had the contamination talk, and Diana wasn't saying anything. I talked to her after the journalist left. And I'm like, that was so mean. And she goes, I just didn't know what to say. I mean, you know, she said... By me touching the bowl, I contaminate it. Doesn't she realize that somebody brought the bowl to the table? So isn't that contaminating it? But that night at dinner, and I'm already in love with the place because I spent a day and I'd seen so many different kinds of animals. And I basically was like, this is the best place ever. The journalist at dinner is like, I can't even post a, a few second video to Instagram. I This this place is just horrible and there's nothing to do here. And I'm just going to have to go to sleep because I don't have anything to do and I don't have the internet and there's nothing to do. And I was thinking, there is everything to do here. After dinner, we were going to be walking after dinner down to the beach to the orca pool where you can see orcas, killer whales, stalking elephant seal pups. And I'm thinking, there's nothing to do here? (laughs) And not only that, I'm sorry, but before dinner, I'm walking in the briefing. He had told us that the elephant seals could be aggressive and don't get between them and the water. And I've heard that before about like hippos. So I'm walking and I see all these, all these gentoo penguins and they're walking right in front of me. And there's a sign that says, give the penguins the right of way. <laughs> it's like, I've never seen a give the penguins the right of way sign. I mean, just to have penguins walking by me is extremely exciting. So I'm thinking this place is great. And then I'm walking down to the beach and I see like my first elephant seal and um it seems like they're they're sleeping but also seems like they're farting and um and I thought that there's like 500 of them laying around and I was thinking I don't know how I can walk to the beach without getting between me and the beach because there's so many of them I'm standing there then this nice couple that I would end up spending a lot of time with later um they're coming towards me. So I just wait for them and I go, Hey, Hey, um, can I ask you a question? They're like, sure. And I said, have have you been here for a while? And they said, Oh, this is like our fifth time here. We live in Stanley. We come here. We just love it. And I was like, okay, so these elephant seals, if I'm not supposed to get between them and the water, how do I get to the water? Cause there's so many of them. And they were like, these, these aren't elephant seals. These are elephant seal pups. They still look they're like six feet long, look to be look to me to be like 200 pounds. I thought those were the elephant seals. They're like, no. And they point to one and they're like, that is an elephant seal. And I was like, holy crap, that gigantic thing. That's why it's called an elephant seal. I mean, it's, it looked like it's like 600 pounds. And they were like, that's the one you have to, to worry about, not the pups. She said, you can walk right by the pups. They won't even wake up. And I said, and um, I have a question. Are they... um?" Um, snoring or farting, and she's like, "No, they're snorting." <laughs> so the theme here is missed connections and interpersonal connections, and they're just such interesting people there. So I was having dinner at Sea Lion Island Lodge, and there was a doctor at the table, and uh, after almost everybody left, he showed me some, it was just the two of us there, some photos that he had taken. And I was like, what is that? He had spent the morning at the beach laying down for like three hours, had set up a tripod and a remote um, way to take photos. And because he laid there long enough, got comfortable enough with him that they like rolled on top of him. He was basically snuggling snuggling with elephant seal pups but these things are big and he showed me the photos and basically they're in his lap they i showed so i took photos of his phone now i'm not going to post it because the owner of the lodge was very angry with this doctor because 
if other people see this, they're going to think that they can come there and snuggle with the wildlife, which you're not supposed to even touch them, let alone snuggle with them. <laughs> now, granted, they were fantastic photos. And I took photos of his phone and was showing it to people because it was like somebody goes, um, he's a wackadoodle. And the elephant seal pups are in his lap, like in his crotch. And I'm like, yeah, he could have lost. He's not only a wackadoodle, he could have lost his doodle. I had a dilemma with this episode. I I had a lot of things happen on this trip to the Falkland Islands. A lot of good stories. So originally I thought, okay, I'll put all the highlights in this episode and all the other stories in the next episode. But I really have a lot of really good stories. So instead I decided to do it pretty much chronologically. So this is part one, and the next episode will be part two of the Falkland Islands. And I also want to mention, because a lot of people were asking on Instagram, in the last episode, there was a girl who was going on the big expensive cruise to Antarctica. And I was like, you got to see the penguins. You got to see the penguins. And she was like, penguins stink. <laughs> and I was thinking, that, that, that wasn't a nice thing to say about penguins. And guess what? The penguins that I saw, and I saw a lot of penguins, a lot of penguins. Guess what? They didn't stink. They smelled just fine. I don't know if it's because it's so windy and so cold. Maybe if you're in an enclosed hot environment, there might be a stinky smell. But in my experience, the penguins smelled just fine. So I hope you'll join me again next time for part two of the Falkland Islands, and we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Hey, kids, when you fly together, she'll tell you where she's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? So fasten for takeoff and the signal is strong Oh Betty in the sky have you heard her yet? She loves traveling there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh she's weird and wonderful Oh Betty she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know I never seen her better Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.